I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. For me specifically, um, it didn't really hit the way everyone else on the internet was hyping it up. For me on Twitter, every Black person I know was like, this is revolutionary. This film is revolutionary. And I was looking at this like, did we watch the same movie? Hi, Color Grade listeners. I'm your host, KB, and welcome to the Color Grade podcast. Are you seeing all the colors? The Color Grade podcast is an always unfiltered, always enlightening, and uniquely opinionated podcast about television and film that goes in-depth with guests that give a Black, POC, or queer perspective. Join me as I discuss highly anticipated movies and shows with fellow critics and friends of the podcast, interview some of your favorite artists about their recent or upcoming projects, and leave you with my recommended must-see watch list. Stay tuned. So let's dive in. I am going to start by introing Sharonda Williams, the brilliant mind behind Pair Weight. Hey, Sharonda. Hey, girl. You think I'm brilliant? Thank you. <laughs> of course, of course. And we also have the illustrious Trey Mangum, the journalist extraordinaire and deputy editor of Shadow and Act. Welcome, Trey. So glad to be back. Thank you for having me. Of course. So let's dive into it. So we are going to talk about Steve McQueen's Blackity, Black, 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 Black film series called Small Acts, but we're specifically going to talk about Lover's Rock. So when Steve McQueen decided to do this, uh, he created kind of this film anthology, Small Acts, which is based on real life experiences um, of London's West Indian community set between 1969 and 1982. So Lover's Rock. Lover's Rock for me um, is basically one exceptionally long music video um, where it's mostly just, you know, the West Indian community coming together, vibing at a house party. I will say, you know, the first time I watched this was for a film festival. And for me specifically, um, it didn't really hit the way everyone else on the internet was hyping it up. For me on Twitter, every Black person I know was like, this is revolutionary. This film is revolutionary. And I was looking at this like, did we watch the same movie? Um, so I watched it again last night after we got the announcement that Joe Biden is going to be our next president and Kamala Harris is going to be our VP. And I will say this, it did hit a little bit different because I was filled with a little bit more Black joy with the news of, of our RVP. And so I will say I was vibing with the film a little bit more. Is it still just an exceptionally long music video? Yes. But was it a different vibe last night? Did it hit a little bit different? Was I up dancing with them on screen? Absolutely. Sharonda, tell me a little bit about how you felt about Lover's Rock because it is critically acclaimed, but we are also critics. And, you know, be free. Be free with your thoughts, Sharonda. Let me know what worked. Oh, I do want to give this like this like this disclosure. Um, 
this is the, one of the issues that I have with film festivals is that everybody is in this like, oh my gosh, I'm the first person mm-hmm. to see something. Mm-hmm. I'm about to hype it up. Mm-hmm. And then there's times when things can become overhyped. <laughs> Trey is feeling me, okay? So with Lovers Rock, like I like Lovers Rock, but I just want to set people, I just want to like set the stage real quick for what we were going through before we watched this. People are like, there is a scene and oh my God, it's one of the best scenes that I've seen like all year. And I was just, I watched it and I'm like, I had to text Kay and Trey like, hey y'all, did y'all get to this scene? Like what, what is the scene? They opposite. Like they had me feeling like I had to, that I wasn't a real critic because I was trying to figure out what everyone was talking about. But what I will say is that it's a film that, it made me miss just it made me miss being black with other black people just being at a house party just being at a theater together like because i could tell i could sense what the reactions would be i think that what steve mcqueen did is he like in the shot there's these two two people who meet at a house party just to, without giving any spoilers away um and then they just have a very interesting night and i would have to say like it's shot so well how they staged the whole house party aspect of it. It literally made you feel like you were right there with them. Like when the music came on, like I was young, this is my song, y'all. Like I had to get up and dance. Um, but it's not a lot of character. It's not, it's not a, there's no like big plot. I couldn't tell you like, Hey, this is what this movie is about. There's none of that. So I think if you're very, if you're very structured when you're going to watch your films and you're looking like, okay, these are our characters. This is the plot of what's happening. Like, this is what we're talking about. This is what we're experiencing. You might feel a little bit down because there's not a lot of that. You don't even really get into who your actual main characters are until what, like the last 10 minutes? I would minutes? say probably okay. the last 15. Yeah, probably the last 15 is when okay. we start that. Yeah. yeah, so I would say for this, this is more of a nostalgia. Just, I think it came out at the right time just because we are trapped in our houses. We can't go to house parties. So I think that people will enjoy it from the music aspect, just being able to see, being able to see Black people be free and be Black and just not have to shield themselves, not have to be cognizant of who's around them. It's just being free and I think like Kate to what you were saying with the results of the election yesterday I think that's something that everybody truly needed to watch you needed to be able to experience uh being black in America being black and are they in London they're being in London. black everywhere is, okay it's just exhausting at times and it covers rock it's just really this exploration of black freedom of black love of black joy of black music and I think that's what I appreciate about lovers rock that that was so long one day. I apologize. Trey, like, bring it back home, okay? Don't apologize. I'm just rambling. Don't apologize. I will say, though, I agree with with Sharonda in the sense that, you know, it is not plot-driven at all. So if that is what you're looking for, (laughs) this is not the film for you. But I will say, if you want to see some beautifully lit, well-crafted Black bodies on screen that are giving you nuanced portrayals of just Black fun and showing kind of a revolutionary from the aspects of us just enjoying life, then that's for you. So Trey, give it to me. How were you feeling when you watched it? Because actually your first time seeing it, you didn't see it at the festival. You saw it yesterday for the first time. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, yes, yesterday please. For the first time. Um, I appreciate seeing uninhibited Black joy on screen. Very, 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 very nice. I will say that. I love that about this film. But I will say also that Lover's Rock might be the 
either the most overhyped film I've, I've went into seeing or the second most. And, you know, like Sharonda said, like just, just setting the stage and seeing like, if y'all were just on Twitter once that, when people screened that movie, they were just like, I'm just like the best movie of the year. And I'm just, and I'm sitting there watching it and I'm just like, okay, is this happening yet? Is it happening? Okay, this is the part where it's, I'm just, and it just never, I just want to also set a little bit more stage too. So Small Acts was conceived as a three-part film anthology series. And then it got expanded to five later on. Um, I've seen three out of the five and Lover's Rock is probably my least favorite out of the three that I've seen so far. But I do think it's important to note that I might be wrong, but if I'm not mistaken, I think that, you know, Steve McQueen wanted these to wanted this to be a film series, but I think that these were produced for television. And if you're looking through these from a TV lens and through a film lens, I feel like you look at them differently. Like if I'm looking at this through a TV lens as like an anthology series with each episode being different, then I'm going to think, okay, this is, this is pretty good because, you know, and all of them are distinctly different. But if I'm thinking this through a film lens, then I'm like, okay, what who what is this? But um, the performances were good. It's just a lot. It just it was. It didn't really. There was no plot. And again, like you said, if you don't if you don't want if you want to watch a film, they ain't got no plot, then that's fine. But but it, it takes it. It made me miss being you know around people, you know, especially during a time. And I think maybe that's why it hit differently for some people because. <laughs> Especially, you know, when it came out, like, I guess, like a month or two ago for the first time. Um, it, it probably hit differently for people. But for me, especially there were there's like a part, maybe like a 15 or 20 ish minute. I might be I might be exaggerating, but there's a sequence where there's like no dialogue at all. It's just uh, dancing like no, like not even like a he ha who was like none. They just dancing. And um that's when I was like, okay, okay. Like, this is, we're really giving you extended, extended, extended music video here. Um, but I will say that I, I feel like it, it, beautiful Black people, um, beautifully shot, um, great performances considering, like, they don't have, like, characters, really. Like, they're just kind of like, <laughs> that wasn't meant to be shaped, I think. <laughs> I mean, considering they don't really have fleshed out characters like they were able to take that and like they like Michael Ward was running with some of that like I wonder what some of his improv because he was really in there like her him and um Amara they were really good and considering like they didn't really have characters I'm still I'm still like confused that like I think we lost one character that was gonna be a main character like fourth of the way through and I'm she just like never came back and then we started losing people. I was like, okay, I guess these aren't really characters, but... Uh, and it was her birthday, too. Yeah. Can I just say I don't think there was a script? Can I just be honest and say I feel like 90% of it was... No, it was probably just a few ad-libbing? pages. And it just It was probably a few pages that just said, this is what's going to happen. And they just got in that house and it was like, okay. Let's... And they were like, everybody slow wine for 15 yeah. minutes and we're just going to roll the tape. And it was like, yes, do I miss slow whining at a house party? Absolutely. But, and again, this is, and I think a lot of this is like no shade to this film. And I, I again, I hesitate to call, I mean, I'll call it a film, but it's more of like a TV film for me. Just because like, I, I just don't know if I would hold the same standards of a film to small acts. I mean, even, and that's given like all, that's all, except with the exceptions, maybe Mangrove, um, the red, red, white, and blue in this one are give you more, more of that like contained television feel to them. But it's just, I think a lot of it is, is dimmed by the fact that 
again, y'all, we were just told that this was going, this was like one of the, like the one of the best films of the year. And it wasn't giving, it wasn't giving me best film of the year. It was giving me nice film that we could really use at this time that people will enjoy and get their life while watching it. Again, we, we've only seen, well, I've only seen three. I think, I think y'all seen two of the series. And maybe this is like, the, maybe this is like the outlier of them. Maybe the other one, because I know the other ones really deal with some hard subject matter, especially Mangrove, Red, White, and Blue. And I'm pretty sure um, Alex Weedle does too. Uh, but I, maybe this is, maybe once you see them all as a series of five, then you can understand, okay, this is the filler episode. Like maybe this is the filler episode where you just sit there and just groove. And it, and it adds to like having to deal with, you know, police brutality, social justice, unju- being unjustly treated, things like that. And maybe that's what this adds to as a series as a whole. But, so that's um, what I that's what I was going to ask, because I'm not entirely sure where Lover's Rock fits into the framework of this mm-hmm. particular series in terms of, you know, I obviously feel like Steve McQueen has an order in which, you know, like he would put them in and he would want people to view them. And yeah. so I don't know where Lover's Rock would fall into it. Um, but I did want to ask y'all, you know, because Lover's Rock is second. Okay, Lover Rock. And, and they also got switched recently because Red, White and Blue was going to be last, but now it's third. I believe. Okay. And Mangrove okay. is first. It's, okay. So I did want to ask because I've only seen Mangrove and Lover's Rock. I have not seen Red, White, and Blue yet. But just between Lover's Rock and, and Mangrove, because I know that all three of us have seen those two, how did you feel about the differences? Because, you know, with Mangrove coming out as well uh, around the same time as The Trial of the Chicago 7, I thought Mangrove was done infinitely better than The Trial of the Chicago 7. But in terms of this series and, and Steve's kind of vision for it, how did you guys feel? And I'll start with Sharonda. How did you really feel about like Mangrove versus Lover's Rock? I mean, Mangrove is a superior film, or as Trey would like to call it, a TV movie. TV movie. Um, <laughs> Mangrove is definitely superior. It has, it's, it's based on a true story, so there's a lot of meat to it. It has a lot of fantastic performances in it, um, just in how they shoot it. And I think that I was able to appreciate Mangrove even more because watching The Trial of the Chicago 7 and watching Mangrove at the same time, I was able, you see how from a technical standpoint, from an acting standpoint, from just how the film is edited and written, you just feel it more. I feel, I felt the emotion Um, really helped show people like, hey, this racism thing, this isn't just an American thing, right? This happens everywhere all over. So I appreciate with Mangrove, you truly get to see that police brutality, this is not just an American issue. This is a entire this is a world issue that is happening um no matter what you know if you're you know black or you know the west indy uh culture in london i mean i just truly appreciated mangrove for helping tell um history that a lot of people didn't know about for the performances that it gave and it just it just hit 10 times harder i just felt it more watching mangrove um compared to lover's rock and you know we have like you know plot characters like you understand what is happening so I don't, I don't even think you can really compare the two films I think I, I think I kind of understand now because Mangrove is so heavy in the subject matter and what is happening I think I do understand now why he will put Lover's Rock afterwards to kind of this is like kind of a palate cleanser like you just went through a lot of emotion and they gave you a little palate cleanser and then we're going to upset you again with Red, White, and Blue so mm-hmm. yeah 
Well, I'm hoping that the fourth film, I mean, to your point, will do something else and show another aspect or another layer of Black joy if we're going to keep that theme going. You know what I mean? Like, because the subject matter Mm -hmm. in Mangrove, dealing with the Mangrove Nine is so heavy. And and then seeing Lovers Rock where, um, I mean, it says that Small Acts is actually based on a true story. All of them are based on a true story. So to some degree, I guess Lovers Rock is as well. I have no idea whose story it's based on. Um, but, you know, kind of seeing that Black joy and that revolutionary Black love and these two people meeting at a house party and kind of, um, I don't I don't want to say they fall in love, but they have like a kismet meeting, um, you know, kind of showing that. I'm hoping that we see it in another one of the, at least one more of the Small X films. But Trey, you know, kind of give me your thoughts on that as well. Yeah, I just, like Sharonda said, it's kind of hard to compare them. They just like differ. They really differ. And again, like most of my thoughts are about are about lovers rock as its standalone version but if you put it in this film series then by seeing mangrove and the other one you can i can tell like you don't you didn't he wasn't going to do five films and they're all like boom boom like just hard-hitting content so i agree from that standpoint but you just can't it's just hard to compare like a like oh they're both true stories (laughs) but mangrove you know being really the first time that we've seen uh period racism in on television i mean i guess global television uh i'm not gonna say because i don't know say, maybe, maybe. say tv one more time trey say tv one more time okay <laughs> right because i was just about to say i'm like trey well, keeps calling it a tv movie and it's sending me like because it, it's a it's an anthology it's a it's a mini series it's a film mini series but it's a mini series and it's on Amazon for the uh, being TV. Anyway, um, but I said TV because the only thing I remember is that show with Idris Elba a few years ago that was on Showtime that got panned because there wasn't a black woman. It wasn't Idris Elba, was it? Um, okay, it was Idris in the film in the in the show. But that's the only thing that we've seen recently or ever really, at least in the United States, that showed uh, UK racism. And you know, and and their own their own civil rights movement and stuff like that. So it's it's just hard to have Mangrove going against Lovers Rock, also going against Red, White, and Blue, which is you know also hard uh, content and a true story. I mean, he's still a cop, but whatever. But yeah, I it, I <laughs> he is like the man is still a cop. I mean, I think he's so, retired now. But <laughs> why are you so shady today? My gosh. <laughs> <laughs> but again, I, I, I appreciate Lover's Rock for what it did. And I maybe I, I don't think I'll have no time to like watch them again, watch them in order once they come out. But it may hit different when first week you watch Mangrove and the next week watching that. Yeah, as, I as, will you, say, as, as viewers will have. I will say I watched Mangrove and Lover's Rock within hours of each other. Um, so that was probably my first mistake. And I will say that, you know, kind of like Mangrove, obviously, Americans like to think that racism is only happening here within us, you know, versus around the world. So I do agree with Trey really saying that this is the first time that we're seeing kind of UK racism front and center. And it was really heavy, but really well done. The performances are Stella, Letitia Wright, my God, like, girl, give her her the things because she's extraordinary um, as Althea. 
But I will, I will say that um, to your point, Trey, watching Lovers Rock a second time for me did hit different. And I think you just have to be in a different frame of mind. Now, I will say it's still not living up to the hype for me. Like all of that hype talking about as the best film of the year is definitely not my favorite film of the year. I definitely will say that 100%. It definitely is not. <laughs> okay. So all those Black critics that were like, oh, child's my favorite film of the year. It was every, okay. No, still. Like even when I watched it and I was filled with nothing but overflow of Black Joy yesterday and I watched it. I had a good time, but it still is not holding a candle to my favorite film of the year. So I'm going to say that. Um, but I do want to start with Sharonda. Do you feel like Lover's Rock is color grade approved? Yeah, I still, I definitely still think it's color grade approved. Um, it's still a fun movie that just covers so many different emotions um, and just watching two people like me at a house party I felt like I had a man okay and then I was falling in love you know or falling in love because they didn't love they just met y'all this lust but yeah I had a great a great time watching it um outside of just film twitter setting the wrong expectations for what I was going to be walking into I would definitely recommend it as something that people do need to watch um and just seeing more films with all this beautiful melanin this well-lit melanin and music and dance is yeah it's a good time trey color grade approved for you on the basis of being color grade approved i would definitely approve it with the problems that i have with it but i do think that it is a very fun film like if you just like you know on a Friday or Saturday night in a pandemic, you just want to walk. You want to walk something. It's a perfect time escaping. Like you think that you're actually at a house party back in London, back in I guess this is probably early '80s, late '70s, something like that. And I think that it it is definitely representation. You have a dark skin lead. Um, we share more dialogue. We have a dark skin lead, and and a two two in a and dark skin in a in a, a male lead too. Like and that's something that we don't see. Off. That's why when I think I want to say the Lover's Rock image was the first one that that BBC released. I think this is even before Amazon came on board, I th- or maybe this was the announcement when Amazon came on board. But that was the first image they released was the the scene of them riding on that down the road. I'm like, okay, this is representation. Yes, so I do think for all of those reasons, it is color grade approved. Yeah, I will say. That is my actual favorite scene of the film is just the two of them riding on that motorbike down the road. It's beautifully shot. It's well lit. It's just two carefree young Black people whose parents are probably going to have their heads when they get home later that morning because they didn't been out all night truthfully, but they still live at home with their parents. That she was had to it go for to church me. The next morning. She had to go to church, honestly. <laughs> and she got up and went it. to church. And she sure did. She, she rolled, got her dance she on right and she over. got her praise on later, okay? She rolled right on over. So for me, I will say small acts as a whole from what I've seen thus far, definitely color grade approved. Um, Lover's Rock is going to be color grade approved because it's a vibe, but I, I want to just taper everyone's expectations in terms of character development. Like you're not I going to get that from that down. film. Like you're not going to get that, but it is just an hour, maybe like an hour and 10. It's pretty short. So if you're looking for something short in your extended music video and you just want a slow wine, I mean, really, because really the music is fire. 
the music is fire though, Trey. So you you go slow wine with your besties <laughs> on this film. You're going to see some beautifully uh, lit Black bodies and you're going to have a good old-fashioned good time. Just get yourself a rum punch in your home and dance with it. And, and, a rum and punch. Get yourself a rum punch, honey. And the true Caribbean vibe, order yourself some oxtails and be free on the dance floor of your own home, COVID safe. For the color grade approved lovers rock. Yes, you gonna dance. You gonna dance. I danced all day yesterday. I said, oh, let me just put in my AirPods and listen to this movie and vibe. And it was a vibe. So yes, for sure. Well, thank you guys so much for chatting on this episode of the Color Grade podcast. We got our lives. We talking about Black love, Black joy as the revolution that it is. So please tell us where we can find you. Trey, where can the people find you? Where can they read more of your content? Where can they get more of this feedback and shade? Where can they get it? Not shade. You are, you shady Um, boots. No, I'm not. But um, you can find my thoughts some more on Twitter at Trey Mangum and Instagram at Trey.Mangum. And you can find extended versions of my interviews on my YouTube channel, uh, Trey Mangum TV. Oh, come on, Trey Mangum TV. Yes. And Sharonda, where can the people get all the things pay your way? Let us know. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube at pay or wait, and then my website, payorwait.com. Now let's dive into End Up With KB, where I chat with some of your favorite artists about their new or upcoming projects. On this episode, I speak with David Johnson, one of the new breakout stars of HBO's series, Industry. Hi, David. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I am doing well. So um, I have really, really, really been enjoying Industry. And so we're going to switch it up. And I want to ask you kind of some rapid fire style questions about Gus and then a little bit about your experience as David portraying Gus. So let's just jump right to it. Who do you think is Gus's uh, true partner in crime? Gus's true partner in crime. Um, yeah, oh man, he's. I'll be honest. He's a bit of a lone ranger. Like he kind of, he kind of moves on his on his own accords, and that's and I and I, I I super admire that. I mean, if I had to choose someone, I guess it would be Robert, right? Because that's his flatmate, that's his boy. But in the same breath, I think I think he kind of does what he wants, which is is, is pretty badass. <laughs> okay. So does, by the end of season one, does Gus find romantic love, appreciation, and acceptance? It depends on how you're looking at it, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's totally subjective. I mean, I'll let other people, you know, find their own. But for me, and playing Gus and doing him, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say yeah. Okay. And what do you think is Gus's biggest weakness? Ah, uh, Gus's biggest weakness, without a doubt, is is his um his vulnerability. You know, I think he's um he can be a bit too open sometimes, and and um, even when he doesn't want to, like he just is. And I think I actually do think some people are more prone to being more open than others. Um, I definitely am myself. So yeah, he's sensitive. He's a he's a teddy bear. Okay. Okay. And then what motivates Gus? What are his motivations? Do you think like kind of what is that theme throughout season one? Oh, Matt, you know, that, that's, that's, that's actually a tough question because I think, you know, Gus, I don't think Gus is motivated by money. I don't, I think, I don't think Gus is motivated necessarily by um, materialistic things. I think he's more 
it's built in him, you know. I think him being, you know, black and coming from that background as well, it's like he's he's got to make it. Do you know what I mean? He's got to be successful. So I think, you know, pushing a bar in one way or another, um, being coming from where he's from, being who he is, I think that means. I do think that means a lot to him. I think he's got some principles, like deep rooted principles. So he's going for that, which is like sort of intangible, right? But it's 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 real. Okay. Okay. And which Pierpoint employee teaches Gus the most, not only about the industry, but about himself? Oh, it, it, it's Sarah. It's got to be Sarah. It's got to be Sarah. Yeah. She's, uh, she's, um, she's slippery, man. Like she's really slippery, but also like incredibly real. Um, which I think Gus like kind of likes. Cause I think he, Gus is so quick, man. Like he knows, he knows what people are, are doing before they even know they're doing it with her. I don't think he can quite pin her down. And um, he likes that, I think, yeah. Likes the challenge. Okay, and so what would Gus's theme song be? <laughs> um, Gus's theme song would be Pink and White by Frank Ocean. Oh. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty chill, but there's something, there's something to it. Like, you can drive to that song all day, every day, and, like, you would never run out of gas. Like, that's, like, that's the vibe I have with, with Gus. Yeah. Okay, sure. okay. And what would Gus's kind of go-to book read or recommendation, what do you think that would be for him? Right. Uh, um, so Gus is very well-read. I, uh, Gus is super well-read. Um, I, I think I'm well-read, but he's more well-read than me. I, a, bo- a book that I was reading a lot when I was playing Gus was <laughs> was uh, <laughs> Art of War, The Art of War by mm-hmm. Sun Tzu, which is a really... I read it. Yeah. yeah, you got me. So, yeah, it's... I mean, that's, I know people might not think that for Gus, but I, I read that a lot for him, and I think it, it, it did something, for sure. Okay, and tell us, what is one thing that we are going to be surprised to see Gus do in this season? <laughs> oh, come on, I can't say that. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, man, he's going to do, he's going to do a lot. He's, Gus has got a lot rolled up his sleeve. Um, a lot of things I don't think he even knows he has up his sleeve. He's got them, and they, they do come out, for sure. Well, thank you so much again for chatting with the Color Grade podcast. My pleasure. Thank you so much. And now for our next segment, Let KB Put You On. Let me tell you guys, if you have not seen The Queen's Gambit on Netflix, you're doing life wrong. It is an incredible chess show with stellar performances. Anya Taylor-Joy gives me life as Beth. I am telling you, Beth is orphaned at nine. She is an introvert, but she discovers and masters the game of chess in the 1960s. And when I tell you that she shines, she shines. Um, This TV show gives you everything. It has kids getting tranquilizers. It touches on suicide, depression, drug use, sexual fluidity, the perils of the foster care system, complex mother-daughter's relationships, love, life, misogyny, and just support. 
It is truly a well-rounded series unlike anything I've ever seen. So definitely check out The Queen's Gambit, now streaming on Netflix. And my second pick of the week is the film On the Rocks, which is currently streaming on Apple TV+. On the Rocks follows Rashida Jones' character, Laura, and her father, Bill Murray's Felix, as they go on a quest to find out if her husband, Dean, portrayed by Marlon Wayans, is cheating on her. Marlon Wayans, I will say, for me, is the star of of this film. I could not get enough of him. Um, Marlon is obviously a brilliant comedic actor, but this was a more serious and heavy role for him that I loved seeing him in, um, so I adored it. Rashida Jones and Bill Murray as a comedic duo are are memorable. For me, uh, I'll be honest, the film overall in terms of the plot is very middle of the road. But if you're looking for something easy to watch, and if you're looking for something to just take your mind off of the current state of the world, On the Rocks is for you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Color Grade Podcast. I'm your host, KB, and you can find me on social media at the Lady KB at the lady k-a-y-b on instagram and twitter also please follow the color grade podcast on all social media platforms at color grade pod the color grade is produced by domino sound with lead producer and editing by randy chapman Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.